0: It's the Fastlane on 101 ESPN with Michelle Smallman filling in for Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Staltzer. Let's head to the Brown and Crubin Celebrity Line. We're joined by our guy, Brad Thompson. Who, uh, Brad, are you down in Jupiter yet? Absolutely
1: not. No, no, no. I'm here. I'm here <laughs> still. Uh, we'll head down to Jupiter next Friday. And then game starting, man, 25th and 26th. So I'm looking forward to it. It is crazy how fast it happens, isn't it, guys? You you get to spring training, and then all of a sudden, it's about a week and a half later, games are going, jobs are there to be won, so it's an exciting time, but I'm looking forward to getting down there next Friday.
2: Well, when you get down there, Brad, there's a lot of storylines that people are going to be paying attention to, but what's the first thing that you want to see in this camp?
1: Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing, I don't, I don't think much has changed uh, really as far as the storylines go. I want to see who the heck the outfielders are. Like, what does that group look like? And everybody has talked so much, Michelle, as you know, about like all the potential that's out there. And we've seen it in doses for, for each one of these guys. And certainly a huge dose of it uh, a year ago in 2021 for Tyler O'Neill. But, I mean, what is that going to look like? That's the biggest difference is uh, you already have a very good team. How do you go from good to great, as we were talking about last week, Anthony? And that to me – The answer to that is your outfield. Like, what does that mix look like? There's a lot up in the air. I don't think that anything is given right now. I don't think that a job is given to O'Neill or Carlson or Newt Barr, even though I think that Newt is probably the closest from what he did uh, down the second half last year. I think he was 10th in baseball in OPS since he got recalled in the middle of July. Like, he was getting it done. But that's the the super intriguing part. Do you guys have anybody, by the way, when you're talking about this outfield mix, is there anybody on the outside, on the peripherals that you're rooting for?
0: Uh, would Jordan Walker be considered on the outside, B.T.? <laughs> yeah. He sure would, guys. He sure would. Well, then Jordan Walker, I think, yeah. would be my guy. I don't know about Michelle.
2: Yeah, I would say so, too, Brad. I think if we're all going to be in the camp of someone we might like to see get more opportunities at the major league level or any opportunities, it's probably Jordan Walker.
1: All right, let me, let me ask you a follow-up question. If Jordan Walker is going to be there, that means he's going to be playing every day. And you would think the bulk of the at-bats would likely come from an outfield spot, not to say he couldn't be in there in the DH spot. So I'm going to ask you a very messed up question, but I'm going to have you answer it instead of me. If you want <laughs> Jordan Walker there, who do you want to fail to give him that opportunity?
0: Uh, I don't want anybody to fail, Brad. I want everybody to succeed, um, Mm -hmm. and then we just trade them for pitching.
2: Oh, nailed it. Great job, (laughs) Anthony. Oh, you didn't. What? That was the best possible answer.
0: I mean, everybody succeeds, everybody's happy, and then uh, you deal one of those guys to, I don't know, uh, Anaheim for Shohei.
1: (laughs) Okay. Net-net. I think that's a good good call right there, what you did. No, I I like that. That's – that's the biggest key because you know that they would love their outfield from left to right to be O'Neal, Carlson, Newt Barr because that's, like, that's how it's written up in the plans right now. But I would love to see a 20-year-old Jordan Walker come and take their plans and throw them in the trash. Like that, that's <laughs> what he has the opportunity to do. Uh, This spring. So I think that that is going to be a lot of fun. And I I certainly think that there's still some intrigue out of the bullpen. You know, like you got a few different guys. It's not like there are too many jobs up in the air. We talked last week about the uh, left-handed, left-hand side of the bullpen, who we feel comfortable with. Um, good reports. Now, this might come as shocking. Sounds like some guys are in the best shape of their life already what? down in spring training. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's, hot. that is happening. Yeah, uh, no, It's crazy. It is crazy. Uh, and another one of those guys, and actually he's carrying a little more weight than he did last year, and he wants to. It's on purpose, is Jordan Hicks. And I think that Jordan Hicks, and he talked about this uh, with everybody down in spring, and he, he believes that this is a defining year for him. Well, you you look at your back end of the bullpen already, and and this is a guy that has served multiple roles. Remember, he was starting for a while last year, came back, uh, was back in the bullpen. He's been a closer for you. But when when we talk about this this staff, we talk about swing and miss and really the lack of it, specifically in the rotation. I still believe that that's going to be better this year. But Jordan Hicks can get a lot of swing and miss, and he was starting to get more and more of it. It really was crazy the first couple of years of Hicks. Because you would have, like, the oohs and ahs. You're seeing 100-plus on the radar gun all the time. He'd make people look silly. But he didn't strike a lot of guys out. And then you finally started seeing more of that. I think that he got a better command of his stuff, how to use his stuff. And when he came back last year after he was on the IL for a little bit, he stopped walking guys, too. Like, that was one of the biggest things down the stretch. So if I'm looking at my back end of the bullpen, and I've got Ryan Helsley sitting out there, and I've got Giovanni Gallegos, I've got uh, Jordan Hicks, and potentially you've got a Rule 5 draft pick by the name of Wilking Rodriguez who throws 100 miles an hour as well that i, I got a feeling we're going to see a lot of uh, coming in in spring training. Those are four arms that are going to trot out of the bullpen where everybody's going to be like, oh, my gosh. So that's got a chance to be a, a real big strength of this team.
2: Brad, I want to ask you about the World Baseball Classic, because with uh, the big names, the big boys for the Cardinals competing in the World Baseball Classic, you're going to get innings and extra at-bats for some of these guys that you might want to get a longer look at. Who do you think somebody on this team that's coming to camp that could really benefit from that?
1: Yeah, one of the biggest ones that, that I think of is Alec Burleson and he only got 48 at-bats last year with the Cardinals. Um, he he you know, struggled. He looked a little overmatched early. Then it looked like he was really just trying to try to cheat on pitches instead of just letting his skill set take over. But all he's done is hit since he's been, well, probably his whole life, honestly. But since he's been a professional, he's put up numbers. He's hit for average. He led the IL. He was a batting champion uh, in the International League last year in AAA. So he's one that's going to get plenty of reps. You could certainly see him as a corner outfielder slash DH. Uh, but the, the other guy that is super interesting, and I bet you guys have already talked about him because uh, watching some of his batting practice from down in Florida, you just say, oh, my, look at him, is Moises Gomez. Remember, I mean, he led, the, uh, he led all of minor league baseball last year with 39 home runs. He's built like a freight truck. And he looks like he hit a ball a country mile. So I think that those are a couple of outfielders that will really take advantage of it. And from a pitching standpoint, I think that it's going to be some of those guys that are kind of on the fringe of, of the roster. Anyhow, not that Jake Woodford needs to do more to prove himself, but Jake's probably going to get even more innings. And he's probably near the end of the roster right now. I think he's done a really good job but he'll get more innings. I think that you're going to see Dakota Hudson, who will be on this roster, but still get more uh, more innings. Drew Verhagen, uh, that's Jamie Rivers' guy. Look, he's, he's I don't know what he is. <laughs> I don't know what he is at this point. I don't think anybody knows what he is, but I know the Cardinals signed him to a two-year deal a year ago. So you're going to see a, a lot of different guys try to take advantage of this, and it's fun. It, it's, it's fun to me to watch those guys on the fringe of the roster because you know my whole life was on the fringe of the roster and see what they're able to do with the pressure on them in spring training, knowing that if it goes, uh, you know, the way that they want it to go, that they've got a legit chance of breaking camp with the team.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you what you do with that pressure. You turn it into a World Series ring, Brad. That's right.
1: But, you know, uh, pressure, you know, you know uh, diamonds, aren't diamonds made from pressure? Absolutely. Yeah. That's what they say. I don't yeah. know, something like
0: that. Yeah, and you are a diamond, that's for sure. Brad Thompson joining us right now in the fast lane on 101 at ESPN. A lot, uh, a lot of stories this week have been centered on the rule changes, Brad. What's the one rule change that you feel could most impact the game?
1: Well, it's definitely the pitch clock, right? I mean, it's not even close. The pitch clock is its the biggest rule change since they implemented implemented the designated hitter. I mean, that's really how big of a difference this is going to be, and there's a lot of nuance to it. Uh, you guys have already broke down uh, the pitch clock and the new rules, but just for reference, 15 seconds uh, with nobody on base, 20 seconds with runners on, it's going to be 30 seconds in between hitters, uh, and there is no grace period, and that's why I'm so excited about the beginning of spring training so on the 25th uh, like i said i'll be in jupiter doing the first game the cardinals have against the nationals and the new rules are in play so the pitch timers that many of these guys i mean you'll probably have some younger guys early on but many and most of these guys have not dealt with this it will be implemented right away if you are not ready to throw a pitch by the time your timer is up it is a ball if you're a hitter and you're not in the box and i really think guys that for the hitters, this is going to be a huge thing. We keep thinking about pitch timer, we're thinking about the pitcher, and everybody thinks about Giovanni Gallegos because he is a human rain delay. But I'm telling you, hitters are not going to like this. There are going to be a lot of hitters that have their routine, and it, this is going to speed them up because, just quickly, a reminder. The the hitters don't have, like, the full 15 or 20 seconds. The hitters have to be in the box and what they call alert to the pitcher with eight seconds left on the clock. So, I mean, they got to get in there quick and be ready for a pitch to be delivered. So, I, I mean, I think that that's going to be the biggest one. For the slow workers, they're going to figure it out uh, to, to borrow, again, a, a money ball, adapt or die. If you don't, somebody else is going to end up figuring it out So I think that that one is going to be big. In the minor leagues, you guys know, the game times dropped about 25 to 30 minutes per game. And, uh, look, I I think that a lot of people would like to see that shortened up a little bit just to to get the action going. It's not necessarily about the length of game, but it's more action that gets crammed into that one. I wanted to ask you guys, though, how do you feel about the pickoff rule that they have now? So pickoffs now are limited to two what they call disengagements. A disengagement can be a pickover or it can simply be a step off. From a pitcher standpoint, the step off the mound was one of the best tools ever because you could, it would just serve as a reset and then you can get back into it. But now if you've done that twice, if you've disengaged twice, if you pick over again and don't get them, it's a balk. I, I think I hate that rule, but I, I haven't seen it in practice yet. What do you guys think about that one?
0: Well, it's all in theme, isn't it, right, Brad? I mean, the, the whole point is to make sure that they the flow of the game isn't being disrupted. If disrupted, and when you have a pitcher that is throwing over time at time and time and time again, that certainly uh, you know hinders the flow. I also think they're trying to, if I have the the read on this correct, Brad, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. But the idea is maybe to up up the 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 speed aspect of the game. It, it's a it's a lost art now the stolen base. So I wonder if they're trying to generate a little bit more offense that way too when somebody gets on base. So I, I I'm okay with it because it's all in theme with the other rules.
1: Yeah, you're disgusting. Uh, <laughs> no, but you're right. You're, you're, you are right too. I just I just ahead and say you know controlling the running game is such a big part of it. Like that that's the the cat and mouse that you have the varying your times, but from an excitement level, if you've got a guy that's picked over twice and then you see a guy that's getting this monster lead as a pitcher and and as a fan, I'm watching like, what's he going to do? Is he (laughs) going to go for it? What if he misses it? Uh, So I think that that one's going to be fun. We've all gone over the the limited shifts. You're going to see athleticism pay off. If you've got rangy infielders, it's going to help. But one of the biggest things to watch in spring training when it comes to this limited shifts – And for those that aren't aware of how the limited shifts work, it's going to be two position players have to be on each side of second base. The infielders have to, as the pitch is coming, as the pitcher is starting his delivery, their feet need to be on the infield dirt or closer. You can be on the infield grass, but there's no more of this setting up in the outfield and then coming in. So one of the biggest things to watch is how these managers are going to deploy their outfielders. Because I got a feeling, especially in spring when nothing matters, we're going to see that big monster lefty come up and you're going to see managers take their left fielder and put him in short right field. Hmm. Like we've seen a lot with, you know, where the second baseman is usually playing out there where somebody hits a line drive and he's standing there. I got a feeling that we're going to see a lot of this. They're going to ask a lot out of like a, a Nolan Arenado playing third to range way out into left field once a pitch is thrown or a ball is hit that way. But don't you think that everybody's going to try to manipulate this system somehow?
0: I think, of course. I think Buck Showalter is going to be the first.
1: Oh yeah. Buck will be in on that for sure. <laughs> and I think that Ollie will too. I really like it might as well. You might as well try to put out your best defensive uh, alignment and try to beat it. Now, all it's going to take is a couple of random flares down the left field line from that big uh, left-hander that turns into a triple and you say, boy, this might not be worth it. Right. But you get it, your... it's worth a
0: try. Starting pitcher starts, he starts heading towards you. He looks like he's going to choke you out if you're a manager. And you're like, okay, you know what? I'll stop. I'll stop that. That's <laughs> yes. fine.
1: Yes. But the, a guy that comes to mind, though, when we're talking about this, it, the idea of it is really Brendan Donovan. Like, all right, put Donnie in left field and then plug him in there at that little, uh, you know, in between there as the rover, if you will, in a situation like that. You're always going to manipulate something, but know this. And I think that teams know this, and I bet Major League Baseball has told them this, say, hey, we're not going to legislate this yet. But if you make a mockery out of the rules that we're putting in play right now to stop all of this stuff, we'll limit that. And then you'll see what they did experimentally in the minor leagues for a little bit where you have basically circles in the outfield and it just picture a video game of where an outfielder has to be standing wow. when a pitch is thrown. I mean, that, that's how far we're going to end up getting if all of these teams continue to try to take away or try to get that advantage.
2: Brad, one thing we haven't really talked about today is that the Cardinals won their arbitration hearing against Ryan Helsley. He's going to earn $2.15 million, which was submitted by the Cardinals, instead of the $3 million that he and his camp had submitted. What did you think of this specific ruling, and what do you think about the arbitration process in general?
1: Yeah, it's a tricky process, isn't it? I mean, you go in there, and you tell your players all year long— how valuable they are and how much they mean to the team. And you send them off in the off. You say, hey, work like crazy. Uh, we, we need you, Ryan. You're our rock. He turned into one of the best relievers in the game of baseball. I know MLB.com, uh, their best 10 now, had him as the number 10 reliever in baseball. I believe he's better than that with, with the skill set that he's got. But then you go into an arbitration process where you both file numbers and you guys know once you file that number, the Cardinals have gotten to the point where it's a, they call it file and trial. If you file, there will be no more negotiations unless it's on a long-term deal. You end up going to trial. And by the way, a long-term deal still could get worked out for Helsley. They could buy out a couple of years of arbitration if they wanted to still at this point. But then they go into this uh, meeting and they tell you how bad you are and why you're not <laughs> worth the money and, and, like, how this guy's better than you, that guy's better than you, and you're trying to make the case, like, oh, that's not, not what you said before. I thought I was really
0: good. <laughs> you said you liked I it's me. A, it's a, I
1: know. I know. I thought we were in love. Uh, I feel <laughs> like it's a flawed system. I don't know what's a better system for it. Uh, but I do know I, th- I think you have to be careful how you go after some of your players. And Ryan Helsley said all the right things. Uh, about it he said look it was a little eye-opening and it kind of gives you a taste of the business of baseball and how it works but I think that that one seemed a little bit amicable even though they were they were pretty far off on their numbers at 2.15 and 3 million I mean that's a pretty good chunk of change uh, that's left on the table for him but I'm sure you guys uh, either played or or read or heard the comments from Corbin Burns about the Brewers like he's he's pissed yeah he is he is, he is upset about, about how they tore him down he said that they basically told him he's the reason that they didn't make the postseason true. The stuff that, you know d- down the stretch <laughs> i was like really really the the cy young from two years ago he's a monster he he's a, an incredible competitor if you want a chance this year that guy is going to be the guy that you're going to ride certainly they have woodruff he's good freddie Peralta is good But Corbin Burns is somebody that I would like to keep as happy as possible. And when I say that, I don't mean just give him every dollar that he wants. I'm not just saying, hey, pony up, whatever he says, forget it. We're not going to go to arbitration. But have a case against him that is at least not totally tearing him down. Like, there, right. there's got to be some sort of an amicable case uh, where you don't just uh, destroy a guy before you head into a season.
0: Yeah, I like it. I think the Brewers are uh, doing this pretty smart. <laughs> I think continuing to tick off their players, Brad, that, that is how you build a team, quite frankly. So yeah, Brewers honestly, keep it up.
1: Guys, you know what they do? They, they need to trade him. You trade him now, get it over with, get him out of there. He's already upset. Take him out of the division
0: or keep them in the division, trade them here. Tell them, Anthony. (laughs) Brad, we love you, man. Thanks for joining us. I love you guys, too. I'll talk to you next week.